Welcome to Sunday. Hey, I just want to welcome everybody. Hey, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Jason. I get the privilege of being pastor here, and so, hey, I just, uh, just I'm glad that you're here. Welcome here. This is, uh, we're continuing our series all on wisdom. A little bit of wisdom goes a long ways. We started this a couple weeks ago. I was, I was out of town last week, and I hope you enjoyed, uh, for those of you that were here last week, I hope you enjoyed my friend, Pastor Sean, was here, and um, yeah, wasn't he fantastic? I, lo- I love him, and I was so grateful he was able to come up here and and uh, be here last weekend and kind of help hold the fort down with the rest of you, with the rest of the team. So, hey, we, we're in this series right now, and we're talking all about wisdom. And if you were here a couple weeks ago when we started this series, we started off with this saying this phrase, I, I wish I would have known then what I know now. And if, and if you've been living for any amount of time at this point in your adult years, you're going, yeah, I got a few moments like that. I wish I would have known then. What I know now, and that, that's called wisdom, by the way. Like what you're, wish, what you're wishing you had, you're like, I wish I would have had a little bit more wisdom back then. And, uh, and but, but for those of you that follow Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's, that's good news because, you know, he didn't just leave us by ourselves. He actually gave us an entire book devoted to wisdom, the book of Proverbs. And that's what we're, we're kind of diving into through this, through this series. Now, if you remember also when we started out this series, I gave you some examples I gave you some examples of maybe in our times in our life where, you know, we wish we would have had a little bit more wisdom. You know, we think about, you know, maybe some cars we financed, maybe some debt we went into, some student loans. We kind of overextended ourselves. Right? We've, had, we've had these moments. Well, I don't, I don't have pictures this week, but I did, I did hear a story this week that kind of reminded me. I thought, man, a little bit of wisdom would have went a long way for this, for this, for this young man. He, it was a guy out of Seattle. Which, by the way, on a different note, I feel like Seattle is becoming the new Arkansas. You know, you used to just make fun of people from Arkansas all the time. Now I find myself always referencing people from Seattle. So if you're from Seattle, I'm sorry, but, but I'm not sorry. So there's a guy from Seattle I hear, and I hear the story where he's, um, he's uh, siphoning fuel from people's vehicles. He's stealing gasoline. And um, um, apparently one night he gets caught because he's out in this kind of a small... Um, kind of a used car lot, and he gets, he gets caught one evening because they can hear him. They can hear him yelling around the, around the corner, and they you know, what's that? So they actually they went out there and investigated, and, and they caught him. He, he, he got caught. Well, they, he got caught because he was siphoning fuel from an RV. And see, what he didn't know is that there's more than just the gas tank. There's other tanks on the RV. And so he was siphoning from the black tank, not the gas tank. And if you don't know what that is, just ask one of your neighbors later. They'll explain to you what the black tank is. Yeah, a little bit of wisdom would have went a long way for that young man. Yeah, I, we, need, we need some wisdom in our lives. Now, week one, week one, we talked all about kind of living life skillfully. I kind of said the way you could break down Proverbs, if you look through Proverbs and you kind of break it down, it really addresses three major issues for our life, probably the three major issues all of us at some point or another are going, man, I need some wisdom in this area, and that's life, that's work, and that's money, right? I mean, that just kind of sums it up. Yeah, I need some wisdom in pretty much all of those areas from time to time. And that's what, that's what we talked about. How do I live life skillfully? And this week, I, what I want to do today is I want to go like a layer deeper, if we can do that. Like we just kind of like, like, when we started, we said, here's where you start. And today we're going to go, let's go a little step further with how we, how we live with wisdom. And so this week, I want to talk about sound judgment. Like, how do I, how do I make wise decisions? How do, I, how do I see clear enough 
to make to choose wisely and to make make good decisions. And you you could say it this way: like sound judgment is knowing how things really work, like being able to see through it, knowing how things work. The Bible uses another word; it's a little bit antiquated, but uh, it uses this word called prudence. Same thing. It's this idea of sound judgment, knowing how things really are. It's this ability to make accurate decisions. This is Proverbs chapter 27, verse 12. It says this, A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. If you remember when we started out, we said there's, Proverbs lays out three different types of people. The wise, the fool, the evil person. This is what he's talking about, saying the fool. See, it's the fool that sees danger and doesn't do anything about it. It's the fool that looks and doesn't recognize when there's trouble ahead. It's the fool who's not able to see what's ahead, to see things how they really are. And that's not who we want to be. We want to be like the prudent person, the wise person who's able to make good decisions. Now, the, the, I think the first place we got to start with this is we got we to ask God. In fact, Scripture tells us that. It says when you lack wisdom, to ask Him. And he'll give it to you in abundance. He'll give it to you liberally is the way he says it. So, so we need to start by asking God. So I had a couple prayers I decided to put up and, and we'll pull the, pull the first one up here. I, I, if you want to, you can snap a, you can snap a picture of these. We might post them on social media, but, uh, uh, these are just, these are great prayers to pray. This one's out of Proverbs chapter nine, which we're going to go to here in a little bit. But this is, this is kind of based on Proverbs nine, verse 10. And this can be, this can be a prayer that we pray right here for wisdom. God, I choose to build my life on the foundation of the fear, reverence, and respect of you. By faith in Jesus, I've been given direct access to your wisdom. Empower me to make wise choices before your eyes. Give me sound judgment to walk out decisions that line up with your wisdom. We need that. Here's, here's another prayer for you. This is, this is based on Proverbs chapter 2, verses 2 through 3. It says this, so let's, let's read this. Said, Father, I need your insight. I, I cry out to you, knowing you're faithful to respond to my requests. I don't fully understand, but I'm confident that you do. My ears are tuned in and my heart submits to you. God, give me your perspective. Help me understand your will for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, here, let me give you kind of a working definition for wisdom. I'll give you sort of a, a, a working definition, a place to jump off from. Here's a great definition for wisdom. The ability to find where things are breaking down and the capacity to know what to do about it. You ever notice that when you feel like life's up and to the right, you're not really going, boy, boy what, do, what do I do in this moment? We're, we're usually not doing that. We're kind of coasting. We're feeling pretty good. It's, it's only when things start kind of going ways we didn't expect it to. So when life throws us curveballs, those are the moments when we're going, okay, now I need some wisdom in my life. This is what wisdom is. The ability to kind of see through it, identify the problems, and have the wisdom and the wherewithal to know what to do about it. You could say it like this, like choices. Like life is full of, full of choices, and we make choices, but then those choices also make us. Do they not? I got a story for you. This is a guy named Charles Steinmetz. I heard this earlier in the week, and... Uh, Charles Steinmetz, 
is a guy, he was a mathematician and an electrical engineer. This is over 100 years ago, by the way. Over 100 years ago, he was really a, a key person in, in a GE over 100 years ago. And, and uh, he, uh, he was really influential over there. He, well, he retires. He retires. And one of the GE plants ends up having an issue. And so they call up Charles and they say, hey, Charles, we know you, you, you're smart at this. You know how to handle these things. Will you come back just for a moment and see if you can't help us identify where the problem is? See if you can't walk through here and give us some of your wisdom. So he agrees. He shows up and he's walking through this plant. And the way the story goes, he's kind of walking through the plant and he's just kind of walking along and he comes across this seemingly arbitrary piece of equipment in this whole assembly line of machinery inside of this GE plant. And he looks at it and he pauses, looks at it for a minute, pulls out a piece of chalk out of his pocket, just goes there and makes, makes a little mark on it and, that was the end of it. Charles leaves. That was, that was, that was it. He's got this whole team of other engineers with him following around and they're kind of digging in. They're like, well, you know, obviously he's, this is, this is it. So they're, they're digging into it and they couldn't believe it. This, this guy just walks through the plant. He just walks right through the plant and he actually identified exactly where the problem was. This arbitrary piece of equipment. They, they couldn't, they couldn't believe it. It was exactly, and they call him Charles. It was amazing. You, you nailed it. This is exactly where it was. Just send us your bill. Just send us the bill. I mean, this was amazing. We're so grateful for you. So he sends him a bill. They gave him a bill. Keep in mind, 100 years ago, over 100 years ago, $10,000 is the bill he sends them for identifying this piece of machinery. And they say, whoa, Charles, Charles, this is uh, excessive. Like, I mean, come on now. Uh, you're going to have to justify this. They say, hey, Charles, we're going to need an itemized we're going to need like an itemized account for this. He says, no, no, no problem, no problem. So he sends him an itemized uh, invoice for this. And on the top, it says, you know, for, um, for one piece of chalk to mark machinery, $1 uh, for the uh, ability to identify the problem, $9,999. I was like, yes, that's right. Can't put a price on wisdom. Come on now. A little bit of wisdom went a long, long way. Here, here's what I know about about wisdom, even, even when we started this series in, you know, a couple weeks ago, is I could talk to you all day about principles. I, I could just dive in and say, Here, here's, some, here's some biblical, wise principles to live your life on. I, I think a lot of you, you know them. I think you heard them at some level or another. I think, you're, I think you, many of you, you you're aware of, these, um, aware of these principles. I mean, when we started this series, we said stuff like, live for God, work unto God. Give to God. I think a lot of you would go, yeah, I, you know, I know that. I, I've heard that. I, I, I know that. But, but there's, a, there's a gap here. Because the other thing that we're, we're kind of like, it's, it's ingrained in us. It's almost intuitive. We just think right choices are obvious. Right? Like the, the, the right answers are, are obvious. And if you don't know the right answer, what, what, do we, what do we usually think? It's like, well, culture said, well, you just need the right information. You know, if you get the right information... If you just get all the facts, you'll be able to make the right decisions. If you just do enough research, you'll be able to, you'll be able to know what to do in those moments. If you read the right books and watch the right videos, you'll, you'll know how to handle these, these obvious right choices. Right? Except one, one little problem. We see people making poor decisions all over the place. And if we're honest, maybe us too from time to time. Why then? Are we making poor decisions? 
If, if the right answer is obvious, if it just comes down to the right information and the right facts, why are we making poor decisions? And, and it's not a coincidence. It's not like it just, it's not like we just wake up one day and it's like, whoops, wrong side of the bed. There went my wrong decision. No, it starts with something. It's a bit more incremental than that. There's a process to it. See, here, here's the first step. Here's the first step. It starts with the wrong perspective. It begins with the wrong perspective. I mean, this is what you have to know, is that as people, we're all, we're complicated. We're, we're all very, we're very, we're very complicated people. I mean, we have our own histories. We have our own pain. We, we, we have our own experiences in life. We, we have, we have our own perspectives on things. And then, and then let's not mention the fact that we got sin. Like, like sin just has a way of, of coming in and, and kind of muddying the waters. We, we, we get jaded. We get, we get bitter. We kind of put up walls. You know, we're going to protect ourselves from all that pain and that history, right? We're, we're complicated. And so we, we kind of dive into that, and it produces this wrong perspective. And then, then we get these unhealthy thoughts that come out of it. We begin to think the wrong things. You know, as a, as a pastor, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm talking with people all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm interacting with people all the time. And can I, here, here's what I found over the, over the short few years that I've been alive and been pastoring now. Here's what I've already figured out, okay? People are going to do what they want to do. The heart justifies what the heart wants. That's, that's what I've learned about people. Like, we, we have this innate ability to justify whatever it is. It's like, no, this is the right way. This is wisdom. If you do this, this will make life better. This will be better for your children. This will be better for your marriage. And it's just like, some people do, and then some people, we just find a way to justify. It's like, well, no, I got my own perspective. I've got my own unhealthy thoughts. And then, and see, and here's what, here's what happens right here, this next one. See, this is what happens next, is that sometimes we'll say, oh, no, 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 I know what wisdom is. Oh, no, 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 yeah, I want to follow wisdom, but the truth is, is that the mouth betrays the heart. Like, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, and Oftentimes, our mouth betrays the heart. Why? Because we got a wrong perspective. we got unhealthy thoughts. And as much as we might be trying to fake it from time to time, our mouth betrays our heart. And we just got bad language coming out of our mouth. Like, and I'm not talking about because you cussed at work the other day. That's what I'm talking about. I'm saying, I'm saying like you got the wrong ideas and you're, and you're giving voice to that. That's what I'm saying. And then here, and then no wonder, what's it lead to? Unwise decisions. That's how we get it. There's a whole process to it. But see, there's an underlying thing. There's an underlying motive for all of this. What's the underlying process here? The, the driving process, emotions. Like that's what drives our unwise decisions so many times. We're emotional. We get emotional. A lot of, a lot of times it's born out of fear. It's like, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to get hurt again. Right? I, I don't want to get hurt again. Hey, I, I've been down that road. I'm not going down that road again. So then we make unwise decisions because we're just overwhelmed with emotion. Or sometimes we're hedging. It's like, oh, no, I see what's coming. Oh, there's trouble on the horizon. And then we get all, all spun up and we make bad decisions. Why? Because we're just, we got to hedge. Because we, we got to be prepared. And then we give, our, we give all kinds of names for it too to make it sound like it's wisdom. But it's just emotionally driven decision making. So what's the alternative? Well, there, there's an alternative to this. Here, here's the alternative. We all need to get a hold of a, a biblical perspective. A biblical perspective. What do I mean by that? See, but, but when you have the wrong perspective... I'm talking about how complicated you are. When you get a biblical perspective, well, back up one, we'll stay on biblical perspective. When you get a biblical perspective, here's what it is. You got to understand that Jesus addresses all those complications. He's already addressed all of those complications. Hebrews 12 says that God is actually interacting with you and me like his son. 
like his daughter. Matthew, Matthew 12, Jesus refers to his disciples. And if you're following Jesus, you're a disciple of Christ. He refers to his disciples as his brothers, as siblings. Like this is how he's interacting with you and me. And what, what that means is when you get a biblical perspective, it means, that, it means that God has changed the subject. He's changing the subject from the fact that you're dead in your sins. He's changing the subject from your brokenness. He's changing the subject from your, from your failures and all your shortcomings. And he's changing the subject to his grace. He's changing the subject. You got to get a biblical perspective of who God is and who you are in Christ. See, when you do that, then it produces healthy thoughts. See, now you start thinking the right things and, and the heart doesn't betray the word. Your, 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 your mouth doesn't betray your heart. See, the next thing that starts coming is you start speaking encouraging words. You start saying the right things. Your mouth aligns with, with what's true. And then eventually you begin to make wise decisions. And what's the driving force behind that? If, if emotions are what drive our unwise decision, what drives this? Truth. Truth. What, what, what's true? Not, not happiness, by the way. I know that's what culture says. Not what makes you happy, not happiness, truth. Not, not what feels right, what is right. That's what drives it. All right. Here's what we're going to dive into for the rest of this. Because, because I think some of you are sitting here and we're going, okay, yeah, that's, that's good. Okay, I, I hear that. So how, how do I do this? How do I get there where I'm able to be, to live this kind of life where I can make wise decisions. We're going to dive into Proverbs chapter 9. And if you brought your Bibles, you're going to be, you can follow along. We're actually going to, we're going to, we're going to dive through the first six verses of Proverbs chapter 9. And I, I want to lay this out for you. Proverbs chapter 9, if you read this, it's 18 verses in this chapter. So the, the first six verses are all about what you call the, the it says it's lady wisdom. It's the voice of wisdom. The, sec, the next six verses all about the scoffer. See, Lady Wisdom's calling out to everybody except the scoffer. And then you can read those next six verses and they tell you why. And then the last six verses is this other, it's this other lady speaking. It's called the foolish woman. And, and it's, this, it's a contrast. You have Lady Wisdom calling out to all of us. And then you have the foolish woman that's calling out to all of us. And, I think, and the truth is, is that for, for, for most of us, our life, we spend most of our life kind of back and forth between these two camps. Both of them are calling out to us. Are we going to make wise decisions or foolish decisions? And so instead of leaning into the whole thing, we're going to dive into, okay, what does the voice of wisdom sound like? Like, let's get so in attuned, so, so dialed in on what the voice of wisdom is that when we hear it, we recognize it. We know what it is. So this is Proverbs chapter 9. We're going to start in verse chapter 1 here, and it says this, Wisdom has built her house. She has honed out her seven pillars. What does that mean? Here's, here's what this means. It means that wisdom has everything you need. It has everything you need. It, it, you know, when you look at what, what it, what's it, what's this saying? It's saying wisdom is not unprepared. Wisdom has built the house. It's inviting, wisdom is inviting you into her house. And it's not in a small house. Like there's, have you ever seen a house with seven pillars? That's a big house. Okay, that house has everything that you need. It's prepared. There's wealth there. Like, like that's not, that ain't my house. That's a big house, right? That's seven pillar house right there. Like wisdom has everything that you need. This is above and beyond what you're looking for. And wisdom is calling you and saying, hey, come into, come into my house. That's what wisdom is saying. Now, if you read John, if you go ahead and you read John in the New Testament, you find out 
you find out that the, that, that the word of God, that Jesus Christ was the word become flesh. Like he became flesh. So when we read scripture, we're reading wisdom. Here's what we're saying. This is Jesus is what we're talking about. Like this, this is Jesus. You come to Jesus. In fact, this is what Jesus said in John chapter 10. He said, I came to give you life and to give it to you abundantly. Like to give you an abundant life. And that is what wisdom is saying in this moment. This is that abundant life. Like come into my house is what wisdom is saying. Follow my path, the path of biblical wisdom, because this is the way to abundant life. Now I'm, I'm thinking about life, okay? Because this is, this is a, this is in contrast. And if you follow biblical wisdom, you will find yourself at odds with the culture. There's newsflash. I don't know if you found that out or already or not. But, but there, there's a lie that culture says about life. I'm go to the next slide here. Here's, here's the, here's the cultural, cultural statement about life here. You have to do what makes you happy. You got to. That's what life's all about, isn't it? Like you got to do what, what makes you happy. And if I'm not happy, my circumstances need to change. Right? Like I, I should be happy. And if I'm not happy, it must be all this must be all out here. So all this needs to change. New place, new location, new job, whatever it may be. Like I, I need to be happy. But see, there's a, there's a voice of wisdom. And see, I think a lot of us, we go, yeah, I want wisdom. And, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I want to follow Jesus. And you know what? I want that abundant life stuff that, that you just got done talking about. That sounds really good. I, I want that. But there, see, there's a cultural lie that we got to address here because, because here's what wisdom says. See, wisdom says that you can own your emotions. Like that, that's what wisdom says. The, the New Testament says it like this, that you can walk according to the Spirit. And part of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Like you can have self-control. You can own your emotions. You don't have to be tossed here and there. This is Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. It says, like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. See, when the Bible says, guard your heart against, like with diligence, guard your heart. Like that's what it's talking about right here. Like you can have self-control. You can get a hold of your emotions. Here's another one, ungodly influences. Like, why, why am I not tapping into that abundant life that you talked about? Like, I, I want to follow wisdom, but I'm not experiencing it. Why? Well, a lot of us have ungodly influences in our life. Like, we're listening to the wrong people. We're going to the wrong places. It's funny to me. Hurt people have a, have a way of finding hurt people. You ever notice this? You're, like, bitter people have a way of finding bitter people. It's, a, it's amazing how it works. It's almost like it requires no effort whatsoever. It might look like something like this. You go to lunch. You go out to lunch and you look over and you're like, oh, wow, you guys go to Freedom Church too. We haven't met before. And you start talking and then you just say, like, you see this door and you're like, yeah, I don't know about that music. You know, I was thinking the same thing. I don't know about that, you know. And I, the pastor, he's a little bit long-winded sometimes. I know. It's just, I'm just not sure. It's like, wow, how'd you find each other? I don't know. It just happens, doesn't it? Like, you just have a way of finding each other. Bitter people find each other. Hurt people find each other. It's like, it's, a, it's like one of, it's like a classic cultural way to bond. Let's complain. And then that, I mean, we're all guilty of it. I might, me too. We're guilty of it from time to time. We have a, we have a way of congregating with one another like that. You want to know what the truth is? Many of us, we need new friends. Like you need, you need new friends. I know it's super spiritual. Get new friends. There you go. Yeah, you need new friends. You need new people. You need to get rid of some of the ungodly influences in your life. You need to get new friends. This is Proverbs 13, verse 20. It says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. I, listen, 
I know your future when I get to know your friends. I get to know where you're headed when I get to see who's influencing you. It's really not that. It's really not more complicated than that. Here's the next reason why we're not experiencing that abundant life that, that we see here in, in Proverbs is because we need to invite wise counsel into our life. We need to invite wise counsel. This is Proverbs 27, verse 6. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. I could have picked the other verse. I could have picked another verse that said, in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. I could have said that too. Right. Let, let me ask you this. Sir, ma'am, do, do, you have, do you have friends in your life that can tell you no? Like, do, you, do you have friends in your life that can say, hey, by the way, I know some things, man. Are you sure you really want to go down this path? Are you sure, are you sure this is really what you, I mean, I know you said that, but do you really mean that? Like, do you have people in your life that can do that for you? That, that you've given permission to do that? See, I think some of us, we, 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 especially when we find ourselves in a situation in life where we're really needing wise counsel, we go, no, I want it, but I don't have it. And it's like, and here's where you start. You have to start by actually valuing wisdom. You have to start by valuing wisdom and then desiring wise counsel. Value it first. Desire it so then, you, then when you have opportunity, you can seek out wise counsel. You do that. You, you're kind of head down. We're, we all get this way. We get head down in life. We find a moment we're head down and we look up. And one of these days, if, if you value wisdom, you desire wise counsel, you'll look up and you'll go, wow, I got wise counsel around me. Like I have wise counselors in my life. All right, let's keep going here in Proverbs chapter 9. It says, she has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has also furnished her table. Now, I know some of you, you're reading this, you're like, okay, the slaughtered her meat, I get that, but she's watering down the wine. That doesn't sound good. No, 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 no. She ain't watering down the wine. No, no, this is, this is prepared is what she's saying here. She's saying, no, no, I've slaughtered the meat and I've mixed the wine. Like it's, it's good and, it, and it's prepared for you. And the table has been furnished. Like there's a table. Wisdom saying, here's what it's saying. When you follow the path of wisdom, wisdom sets a table out in front of you. And it is the most satisfying thing you'll experience. Like the path of wisdom is more satisfying than anything else. That's what Lady Wisdom is telling us in this moment. Wisdom. It's the most satisfying thing. The way of God's wisdom could not be more generous. It could not be more fulfilling, more loving, or more honoring. Listen to me. To you. To, to you. Wisdom has set this table for you and me. It's saying, it's saying, come into my house, sit at my table. I have prepared something in front of you. No, there ain't no junk food at this table. This is a satisfying table. This is prepared for you. This is the way of, of wisdom. Follow wisdom. Now, when I was reflecting on this, and I thought, okay, yeah. I mean, it's, it's everything I need. The path of wisdom is, is everything that I need. And it's more satisfying than anything else. I thought I was thinking about work. I thought about how do we approach our careers? Because, because this is a little countercultural right here. This is countercultural. See, here's what, here's what the culture says when it comes to our work. Promote you. No one else will. Like you got to take care of number one. Now is the time. Right now. I know it took mom and dad 30 years, but I, it should take me no more than five. Like we've just got these ideas in our head. You could say it this way, like, get rich quick. Or maybe, maybe if we're honest, just get rich quicker. Maybe that's, maybe that's a better way to say it. Or how about this? The grass is greener on the other side. Like, these are, 
These are cultural lies. I mean, we have to recognize where these things are influencing us. Now, if you remember from week one, we said things, especially when it comes to work, we said, we said, work as unto the Lord or commit your ways to him. And that's good. We're going to go, we're going to go a step deeper, right? Let's go, let's go, let's go one level deeper here. This is Proverbs 22, verse 29. It says, do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. So when you read this verse, there's a lot of us, we think, we think, no, I need something fresh in my life. Like I need something new. I need a new place. I need a new job. I need, I need something brand new. And what you don't, is this thing, you actually don't need, and when we read Proverbs here, you don't need a new job. You don't need a new location. That's not what you're needing. What you really need is you need a renewed enthusiasm for this, for this, developing your skills. Like renewed enthusiasm for being faithful, for being consistent, for thinking long term. Like that's what Proverbs, that's what wisdom is telling us. You think you need changes and you say, no, 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 no. You need renewed enthusiasm for this. Now I can hear because some of us, we're honest, we're, we're, the thing we're asking ourselves is we're going, yeah, I hear you. But well, what if God doesn't actually take me to that new place? Because I, I just can't see myself in, you know, in this spot for much longer. And it's like, what if God doesn't do that? I know you're saying that. What if he doesn't? Well, I'm glad you asked that. This is Proverbs 18, verse 16. It says this, A man's gifts make room for him and brings him before the great. Isn't it funny how we're so eager to be where we're not? I, I like comedians. I listen. I, I, Jerry Seinfeld used to have a little skit. I'm sure he's still telling it, actually. He had this little skit, and he talked about his little bit, and he talked about how, how when we're in the house, we just can't wait to get out. It's like, oh, man, I'm in. I'm getting cooped up. I got to get out. Yeah, we got to get out. And then we get out. And we're at dinner. And it's like, oh, man, look at the time. Better get going. Better get back. Better get back. It's like, we're so eager to be where we're not. Isn't that the truth? We're always on the run, always on the move, always thinking about the next thing. This is Proverbs 13, 11. It says this, wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. Hard work over time. There's a man, uh, Eugene Peterson, a pastor, theologian. He actually was largely responsible for the message Bible. And um, uh, he wrote it. He's written several books. One of the books he wrote about life. He described life this way. It was the title of his book. He said, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. That was the name of that. It's A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. I love this quote from him. He says, Hoping does not mean doing nothing. Because I think that's where we're at with a lot of us, if we're honest. It's like, I'm hoping for better. I'm hoping for more. I'm hoping for breakthrough. I'm hoping to enjoy. I'm hoping for, you know, something. We're hoping. Hoping does not mean doing nothing. It is not fatalistic resignation. It means going about our assigned tasks, confident that God will provide the meaning and the conclusions. Here's what you need to know. Chasing success leads you down the wrong path. Chasing wisdom, pursuing God, that leads you to the, the abundant life that you're desiring. Chase, chase God. Chase godly wisdom. All right, let's keep going. Proverbs chapter 9. It says, she sent out her maidens. She cries out from the highest places of the city. Now, I know sometimes when you read scripture, some of these, you know, if you're, 
when you're reading by yourself, you're going through your Bible reading plan, you kind of read through and you're like, yeah, whatever that means, and you just kind of move on. And I think this is one of those, one of those verses where we just kind of, this is one of those easily overlooked verses in the whole process of gaining wisdom. It's, it's, it's a more overlooked way of God's wisdom. You want to know what this is? Like wisdom is sending out her maidens. She's sending out her people. You want to know what this is? This is teachers, pastors, preachers. This is Christian parents and grandparents. This is mentors in your life who love Jesus and love you. That's who that is. Like in wisdom, wisdom isn't just saying, come to me. No, wisdom is sending out her workers. Like he's sending out people to be her voice, to bring wisdom into your life. See, there's, there's a myth. There's a myth in our culture. And, and part of that myth is that it's just you and God. Oh, it's just me and God. Uh, no, nobody can relate to where I'm at in my life. Nobody can relate to what I've done, where I've been through, where I'm at, my situation, my circumstances. They're so unique. I don't know anybody that can relate. Therefore, there is nobody that could possibly infuse wisdom into my circumstances. And this, this by the way, is a myth. This is a myth. That's not true. I'll tell you a, a story, personal story. Um, this was year, years ago when I'd just gotten out of the military. And I thought, I thought, that I, that God was leading my family and I to be, to pastor. I thought maybe being pastor was it. Now, I was extremely naive. I had no idea, like, maybe like some of you, it's like, how does somebody become a pastor? That's weird. And I, and that's how I thought. I thought, how does somebody, I guess you just plant your own church. I guess you start your own church. I mean, that's, is that how you do it? it must be how you do it. I had no idea. I didn't even, I didn't even realize that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I should. Oh yeah, you go to school for this. And like there's, there's actually pathways to this. I, who knows? I t- like I said, I was naive. So I remember years ago going, I, I feel like God is leading me t- in to be a pastor to, 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 to do this, to do full-time ministry at some point. And so I just started kind of pursuing that and ended up going to school and I started looking, you know, hunting down resources. Like, how, how does this look? Like, what do you do? How do you, how do you start on this pathway? And so I started looking at president and I thought, I thought, well, I guess you plan a church. I mean, I, that seems right. How else do you do that? I don't, I don't know. That's what, I guess that's what you do. And so I started looking through these resources, and, I, and God brought some really key people across my path way early on. And I can think of, I can think of two of them. One of them, I, can't even, I don't even remember his name. I, he was just the right person at the right time in the right place. Anybody ever had somebody like that in your life? Yes. And, um, and then another one, believe it or not, he was, a, he was a basketball coach for me when I was in, in ninth grade. And I went to another city, and anyway... <laughs> There he was. How crazy is that? It's like, oh my goodness, I know you. And uh, I looked at him and I told these guys. I said, yeah, I feel like this is where God's leading me. And both these guys, they looked at me and they just said, hey, here's the thing, Jason, love that. You're not ready. Like, you're not ready for that. Like, you got some, you got, there's a lot of other steps in between. And, you know, and you need to go back and you need to plug in. There's more at your other, there's more at your church. You need to plug into your church anymore. And uh, honestly, they told me to go get in a small group. They told me to like lead more. And I, and I was like, wow, okay, this is great. I was, listen, I was naive. I was hungry. Thank God for these people that had come across my path. Like wisdom had come to me. Thank you, Jesus. So I went back and I did that. And I, and I did that. And, and we did. We led and we went to small groups and we, we, we served in our church. And, and over a period of, uh, of years, you know, that, that progressed. And eventually I knew I'm, 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 I'm a pastor at my church. How, how did this happen? You know, here we are. And by the way, at that point, the whole idea of planting a church, I mean, between us, I thought, no thanks. I always talk to people who planted churches, and they say it's really hard. I was like, I don't want that. That sounds terrible. No, thank you. I'm, at a, I'm pastoring at a church. I'm good here 
indefinitely. This is great. Well, we kind of came to a, uh, an end of a season there, and we we're making some transitions. And I remember that 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 old dream that that had that had died, that I had gladly put to bed. You know, play in your own church. I put that to bed. It resurrected. And I remember one night sitting talking to Bethany, and and I was so I was like, oh man, I don't want to say it. And, and it was like one of those tearful moments. And I said it. I think this is where God's leading us. She said, oh my goodness, I think you're right. And um, and then see at that time. I had other people in my life, like what we just talked about, like inviting wise counsel. Like I had people in my life like that. So I went to them. I remember talking to one of my mentors, who's actually a board member of our church now. And I just said, hey, listen, if I'm in left field, just tell me to sit down. Like I'm, I'm happy with that. Like if I'm, if I'm not going down the right path, the last thing I want to do is to be where God's not leading me to do, to go. I, I'll go. I'll go work in concrete for several years. Like, I'm good. Like, I, I don't I don't have to. I, I want to do what God is leading me to do. So I said, if I'm in left field, tell me to sit down. And I talked to I talked to several, to a handful of key mentors of people who love Jesus and love Bethany and I and my family and my kids. And they said, nope, nope. This is the right way. This is the time. This is the direction you're supposed to go. Don't, don't run from this, Jason. This is, this is, this is that moment. And I thought, man, that, that, that's heavy, by the way. Because you're talking about leaving your, your home, and you're talking about moving, and you're talking about the great unknown. And I remember even Bethany. Bethany, was, she had her own struggle with it, where it's just like, man, is this really what I'm supposed to do? I'm supposed to move? I'm supposed to go there? I mean, what if? How many what ifs can we think of? Because as many as we can think of is as, as, as many as there are. What are we going to do? And I remember Bethany sitting down, and we just had like a tearful moment. And it was just like, I'm not sure I want to do this. Is this really what we're supposed to do? And through a, through a series, a couple-hour conversation, we came to the end of it with, with really great pastors and mentors in our life. And they just said, no, this is, this is it. And Bethany and I looked at each other, and she knew. And we had like this renewed enthusiasm for where God was leading us and for what God was doing in our life. And we had people in our life to encourage us. Thank God for wisdom sending out her maidens, crying out from the highest places of the city. Here's the truth. Without that, without wisdom, without these people in my life, I wouldn't stand here with you. I wouldn't be up here talking to you. There would be no Freedom Church here in Wilston. Some of you, some of us, you and me personally, we've become close friends. Like those friendships wouldn't exist. Some of you have, some of you have just, I mean, just transformational relationships that have existed right here. That wouldn't be here. Not in this context anyway. Like, thank God. That's wisdom. That's the path of wisdom. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. All right, let's continue on. This is Proverbs chapter 9. Next verse, it says, it says, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. I love that. You want to know why? It means it's for everybody. Like the path of wisdom, it's for everybody. It's not the academic. It's not the intellectual. This is why, by the way, we have so many scoffers in our culture, because it's like it's made for the simple. It's for those who are humble in spirit and go, yep, not my will, your will be done. I'm following Jesus. And people scoff at that. Why? Because it's not for the academic and the intellectual. Like you have to, it's actually really simple. It's pretty simple, actually. It's for everyone. There's a Dietrich Bonhoeffer, if you know who he is, he was a pastor, theologian, he was a spy, and eventually he was murdered in World War II in a concentration camp. Fairly young guy, actually, and uh, he wrote some incredibly incredible books, books that are still being read today. I have books on, of his on my shelf today. And um, he, he coined this phrase, cheap grace. And it was basically an indictment for those of us that might say we're following Jesus, but then live our life how we want, and then we just kind of bounce back and forth. It's like, well, I got grace, so I can just bounce back to God anytime I want. 
And there's some validity to that. It's like, yeah, we shouldn't treat God's grace as cheap. We shouldn't treat it that way. So I, I, I get it to some degree. But I, but I also, you know, there's a part of me, I, I would say there's a warning I have against that. Because, because grace was not cheap for Jesus. Like, he paid everything for it. Like, it wasn't cheap for him. However, for, for you and me, it is cheap. And see, in the, in the moment that grace ceases to be cheap is the moment it ceases to be grace. Like, that, that's what grace is. It's for you and me. It's for everyone. And this is wisdom calling out, and it's saying, this is for you, for all of us. But see, there is a price we pay. And Scripture tells us that. It's like, well, what price do we pay? Because there's that whole thing in the New Testament, something about picking up your cross, something about following him. So there is some kind of price that we pay. What is that price that we pay? Well, this goes on. Proverbs chapter 9 says, As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Come, eat of my bread, and drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake foolishness, and live, and go in the way of understanding. Here's what wisdom is telling us. This is, this is the price we pay. This is, wisdom is calling you to eat at a different table. It's saying you've been living your life in this camp, eating at this table with these people, with these influences, and wisdom is saying, no, 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 I want you to come, and I want you to eat at my table. I love what the Good News translation says, verse, verse 6. It says, leave the company of ignorant people and live. Follow the way of knowledge. Like, leave. He's called you to a new community, to a new table, to new people, new influences. I was thinking about um, music. I was thinking about music. Trying to, you know, I was thinking about how, how, how do I relate this? And I thought about music. And uh, we're, we're a pretty multi-generational church. we we got a pretty good age range in here. And uh, if you grew up in the 70s, there's something about music. Like, you, you hear certain music, and it just has a way of, like, uniting you, right? It's like it just all comes back. Memories all flood back. So if you grew up in the, in the 70s, maybe, maybe a song like My Sharona or Night Fever, like that just, like, you could hear it in the back of your head. You remember where you were. Or maybe 80s. You grew up in the 80s. And if I was to bring up some... Olivia Newton-John song, which I know you can't, you can't talk about her music in church, right? No, I know. But if I brought one of her songs up, you might go, oh, yeah. Or if I said Billie Jean by, by, by Michael Jackson. Like some of you, it's like in your head right now. It's playing. You're like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember where I was when I started hearing that. Or maybe, maybe you're in the 90s, right? And maybe it's something else. It's like anybody, uh, I, I will, uh, this one, Whitney Houston, I will always love you. Remember that song? See, I remember, I remember being in seventh grade. Seventh grade dance, embracing a girl for the very first time, and Whitney Houston was just capturing all my emotions in that moment. I was like, I looking back, I don't remember her name, but boy, my heart was gonna go like I love I will always love you. That was it right there. I was about to quote a Celine Dion. That's another one. How about that? My heart will go like, come on. Like it just captures your emotions. Here's here's another one. Waterfalls by TLC. Oh yeah, that's right. You it's all coming back right there. I, I can't tell you how many times. Disco ball in the middle. Roller rink, just going as fast as I can. And it was just TLC, me and TLC. I'm not chasing those waterfalls. I'm sticking to the lakes and the rivers I'm used to. Like, that's it right there. You know what I'm talking about. You know, if you're honest, like our parents, your parents, for every generation, like our parents, they don't understand. It's like, why do you like this music? All right, right? It's like every generation. I can't believe you, you like this music. All right, but we, we, what is that? It has a way, it's like it divides. It has a way of dividing us sometimes. From maybe like our parents, but it has a way of uniting you with your friends. I mean, some of you, some of you like right now, like Billie Jean is still playing in your head right now. Like right now, you're like, I didn't hear anything you just said, Pastor. All I'm thinking is, I'm just singing Billie Jean right now. 
But, if, you know, if, if, that's, your, if, that, if that's your song, you, you could almost look across the other room. Somebody you don't even know, but it's like, oh, yeah, we're in the same generation. That song, Billie Jean, comes on. You look over, and you just have, like, this instant connection. It's like, oh, suddenly we're united. What is that? It's like there's a shared experience there. Shared experience. See, the New Testament, the New Testament says, don't forsake gathering together. Like, don't stop getting together. Prioritize this. Why? It's not legalistic obligation. Like, you better go to church. You better check that box. You better be plugged in. No, 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 no. It's not legalistic obligation. It's about connecting to the power of sharing Christ together. And that's what wisdom is leading you down. It leads all of us down. A new community, a new table to eat at. And here's the truth. Your old group cannot give you that. Like, your old group can't give that to you. You need to enter in. See, when he calls you, when, when he calls you, he doesn't just call you in isolation. He calls you, just like what we read with wisdom, calls you out of one place and into another place. Like he's, he's called people to be in your life, to encourage you, and, and believe it or not, for you to encourage others too. It goes both ways. He's called you to a new community. So how do I do that? I think, I think that's the question. It's like, well, how do I do that? It's like, how do, how do I? How do I? That sounds great, but like I'm here and... You know, every time I try to meet people here, it's like everyone rushes out the door. I get it. We got lunch plans. People are in town. I mean, the lobby's only so big. I get it. You know, we, yeah. What do I do? I need it. Well, here's, here's one step. Small groups. Like, join a small group. And this isn't some old grand promotional here. It's like, oh, yeah, this all led up to the big promotion of what our church is. No, 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 no. We're a church of groups. And, like, you need to be in a place where you're known and you know other people. Like, this is a critical part of your faith journey. We say know God and find freedom and discover purpose and make a difference. And listen, being in a group and being in, a, in an area where, where you're not just coming here, sitting in rows and hearing from me, which is, this is fantastic. This is countercultural. You need to do this. You need to learn. You need to take your faith deeper. You need to be discipled. But you also need to be in circles. You need to be in front of people, who, people who can look you in the eye, people you can get new influences from. You can, you, can, you can accumulate wise counsel in your life. Here's another one for you. The dream team. The dream team. Like, join the dream team. This is Our dream team is the one that makes everything happen here at our local church. Listen, I know some of you, you got, you got, you got, you got church history. I know. Some of you told me about it. You got, you got some church history. It's like, yeah, I, I served at my other church. I ain't doing that again. Like, I went to a small group. I ain't doing that again. Like, I know. I've been there, too. I, I think about it like this. You know, my family and I, we do, uh, we do family night every Monday night. And uh, the kids look forward to it. And, you know, on the days leading up, they'll, they'll usually kind of try to come up with fun ideas. What are we going to do for family night? We normally cook a good meal, and uh, I'll cook a meal. Bethany and I will be getting everything, the food ready. The kids will be setting the table. They'll be thinking about the game we're going to play afterwards, the, the show or the movie we, we might watch afterward. And they're, they're all getting ready, and then we all sit down and we eat. And then when we're all done... We all work together, and we all we all clean up the kitchen. We put the stuff away. Maybe, maybe you know, my, my, my older two are over there doing the dishes and cleaning the countertops. And my youngest, my five-year-old, she's over there. You know, she's not cleaning the knives, you know. No, she's, she's vacuuming the floor. You know, she's bringing stuff to the trash can and bringing dishes to the sink. Come on now. And, like, and we're all working together. We're all working together in that moment, serving one another. And we're all enjoying it. Why? Because we're all in this together. This is family night. And that's what families do. They serve each other. They encourage each other. That's what, that's what you do when you're, when you're a family. And I think for some of us, th- this is what dream team is. Like, that, that's, that's what it is. Like, you, it's an opportunity to serve together, to serve one another, like serve each other. And I know some of you got some church history, and it's like, well, I, my last church, they ran me ragged. 
Like I didn't go to church for so long. I, I get it. And notice my five-year-old doesn't clean the knives, right? Why? Because that's not her phase of life yet. She ain't ready to clean the knives. I don't want her clean the knives. I don't even want her cleaning the countertop just yet. So we got to work on this a little bit, right? right? Vacuuming the floor is good for her. Stuff to the trash can. This is her season of life. That's good for her. It's the same way. Our dream team's the same way. All of us are in different places. You need to do these things. Our small group special, by the way, it's starting up here pretty soon. If you don't want to know, how do I get plugged? Some of you in here, you need to lead a group. Like God's calling you to lead, you need to lead. Some of you, I feel inadequate, but I feel like I'm supposed to lead. Lead. We'll help equip you to lead. You need to lead a group. There's people in here that need relationship with you. And, uh, and, and, and God's leading you to do that. It's part of your discipleship. So lead a group. If you want to know how to do that too, by the way, you can get the information table or go, to, go online or talk to me after service. I'd love to point you in the right direction. By the way, can I just say this? I don't just tell you these, these two things because, oh, this is what Freedom Church is doing. This is the latest program. This is my story. I mean, I told you, I told you about those, that wise counsel that came my way and said, hey, Jason, you ain't ready. You want to know what they told me to do? That. That's literally what they told me to do. Go join your small group. Go lead a group. Go, go serve. And, and that's what it was. I'm not telling you this because it's like, it's our latest program. I'm saying this is a pathway to the abundant life. Like this is how you get from one table to the next table. This is how you get out of the old community and get into the new community. Like this is it. It's not a program. It's a pathway to life for you. You need to do this. Take that step. Be bold about that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Father, I thank you for wisdom. We asked for it at the beginning. I pray that for a lot of us, as we hear wisdom throughout this message, that we would receive wisdom. Thank you for making us wiser people, helping us to make wiser decisions moving forward, helping us to be bold about moving from our old community to a new community, from our old table that we've been used to eating at and getting information from and, and gaining counsel from and all those other resources we run to all the time. Help, thank you for helping us go from, from that table to the new table. New table, full of wisdom, godly wisdom, with people who love Jesus and love us. We thank you for that in Jesus' name.